So my question to you is, what is the theme of our strategic plan? Mm. The theme of this plan, uh, we're calling it Unleash Your Potential. Epic. Yeah. So if you read the plan in its totality, that that theme will make sense. But I I think it also makes sense just... Steve Clark is Armbrace Head of School. We sat down today to discuss the launch of the Armbrace Strategic Plan. I asked him about the theme of the strategic plan, Unleash Your Potential, what he sees as Armbrace's commitment moving forward, and why we chose Future Design School to help us with the process. I'm Megan Jackson, and you are listening to the Armbrace Academy podcast. Okay, Mr. Clark, thanks for joining me. This episode is focused on our new strategic plan um, and developing and launching our new strategic plan has been no easy feat, but it is a pivotal moment in Arbery's history. It represents our entire community's vision of who we are, why we exist, and the promises we will make to each other. So what is the theme of our strategic plan? The theme of, uh, it's a lofty theme, and that is unleash your potential. Can you break it down? How did you get there? So as you read through the plan, you'll you'll see a lot of reference to excellence. And, um, and initially, one of the um, themes that was being thrown around involved the word excellence, but we didn't really feel comfortable with that uh, for all kinds of reasons. But mostly just because the, of the fact that we're a preschool to grade 12 school, these are children that are becoming, right? They're becoming people, right? When you think of the word excellence, you think of a finished product. You know, this is excellent. This painting is excellent, or this table is excellent, or this meal was excellent. But potential, it has the connotation of, of becoming, evolving. It's a process. And so we felt that was a much better word to put into the theme. So we, we I also personally, I like that word unleash. I like verbs. I like action words. And, uh, you know, our school motto is be kind, work hard. Those are action words, like being kind is a choice. Working hard is a choice. Do it. So I believe in action words. That's kind of how we landed on Unleash Your Potential. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty powerful. Everything behind that statement, there's meaning, there was strategy behind it. There was a lot of thought that went into that. Were there any other contenders on our list? Yeah, I, I've been through so many iterations of this. I don't know that I can remember any that stand out in particular. But really, I think what what we wanted to do was focus on who Armbray already was, like what what were the strengths that we already uh, embodied, and and those were really around culture, I think, and community. So in the in the plan, you'll see culture and community there. And then I think what we wanted to do was bring in the concept of excellence, not excellence in terms of, you know, how the world defines excellence necessarily, but how each of us define excellence for ourselves. So there was some talk about, you know, ex- the word excellence made it in there as a potential theme, but it's hard to, you know, when you're a, a school that kind of spans 15 years, you know, preschool to, to grade 12, you're looking at a three or four year old and, and how can they be excellent? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they can have potential yeah. to be excellent. So I think the word potential kind of eventually kind of bumped Stuck. the word excellence yeah. in terms of the theme. Yeah. It, because of that. And why now? Why did you decide that this is the best time to create and launch a new strategic plan? 
So um, after being at Armbrae for about three years, you know, I had a pretty good sense of what, who we were and where we needed to go. And it's, you're, you're really trying to time th- align things up. So I had a comfort level with where I thought we needed to go. We had already gone through a, our CAIS, our case accreditation process. So generally what, what happens with a case accreditation process is you, you are measured against 12 standards. And at the end of that process, you have, you will receive a report and that report will make recommendations. It will make commendations, recommendations, and suggestions. And you have to respond to those recommendations in a timely fashion. And so one of the ways to do that is to go through a strategic plan process, because then you find out what your community, what direction you think your community um, thinks you should go as a school. And then you can develop an implementation process for that strat plan. Like, okay, now we have all these goals. How are we going to make them happen? Mm -hmm. And the implementation plan generally aligns with the the things you have to do for the recommendations for your accreditation process. So a rationale for, for the timing of it. And our timing was perfect. You follow an accreditation with a strat plan, you develop an implementation plan, and that plan will, will address the concerns or recommendations that your governing body has. Now that we have this strategic plan in front of us, um, it's printed off, it's bound, it's ready to go. How do you ensure that it doesn't just sit on the coffee table and collect dust? Like, How do you make sure that this is something that we adhere to and that our community sees as actually put into, put into action? So the the way that happens is you have, we have 35 promises or 35 goals sort of baked into our plan. If you look through each of the three pillars and you just add them up, we have 35 goals there. So you basically have to figure out how you're going to execute on each of those. And that's the implementation plan. So you you develop a work plan around how, how are we going to achieve these goals? What's the timeline for some of these goals? Some of these goals may be three years out. Some of them may be, we can achieve that goal next week. But you avoid the plan collecting dust through your implementation plan. That's kind of like the first part of the answer, I suppose. And, and I'll give you the second part later on at some point. <laughs> but that's, that's how you do it. You basically, you develop a, a sort of a three-year implementation plan. So that means that for the next three years, you're going to be working on these goals. They're not just sort of sitting there on the coffee table. And I think all of the constituents within the Airbrake community, they all have a role in that. For sure. I mean, you, this thing, this evolves too, right? Because what, what you do is you, you basically create a table and you, you decide, okay, here's the goal. What's it going to take? Who's going to be responsible for it? Are there budgetary implications? Is there a timeline? And how do we measure the, the success? Like, how do we measure success? So you do that for every single goal. And so when you're trying to figure out who's going to work with you on that goal or who's going to be responsible for executing, yeah, it, it could be students, parents, teachers, alum, it could, or it could be a bunch of different stakeholder groups working together. So it's, yeah, it's not just two people kind of sitting in a room figuring out how we're going to make all this <laughs> happen, right? Yeah, the wealth is spread out between between yeah. everybody involved. And so we used a company called Future Design School to help us with this. So how did you choose them? Why did you choose them? And what, what's their role been in this whole thing? Uh, well, they've been pivotal to the process because they're sort of keeping us on track and helping us with, you know, developing surveys for different stakeholder groups. They've been conducting interviews with individuals and with groups. When you hire a consulting firm, so to speak, to help you with this process, they're the ones that are kind of keeping you on track and moving the process along. Without them, you know, we wouldn't be as far along as we are. The rationale for working with Future Design School is, you know, you mentioned plans collecting dust. 
the the rationale for working with them was because um, they're not the kind of team that just gives you a plan and there it is, you're done. They they also will work with us to become what they call a future design school. Cool. So we so we would become a member of a worldwide collective of schools that are known as future design schools. It's very much like schools that become IB schools. There's training involved for teachers. There, you know, learning how to rethink your pedagogy, rethink your curriculum, rethink how it's delivered, how kids are assessed, how we report back to parents and kids on on how they're doing. It forces you to rethink everything you do in terms of your core business of education. So the beauty of working with them is that work will, that's sort of continual school renewal, and that's endless work. So you, you're not just working with a, a, f- a strategic planning firm, you're working with a firm that will help you make decisions about where you want to go, and they will help you get there. And I think the most important piece for Armbray is we will end up on this road to so-called continual school renewal, which mm-hmm. I think is the goal of every school. So this partnership between Future Design School, it's not just it's not just focused on the strategic plan, it's beyond. Yeah. So there'll be periodic and timely professional development. There will be Future Design Design School will, will actually send teachers to Armbray to co-teach with our teachers, to teach them like live in real time in their classrooms. And um and there's an adjudication process. Like you you again, there's a number of standards that you have to meet and then you're kind of judged on those things. So it's not only is it fun and exciting, but it's rigorous and it's there's accountability built in. So real change and r- real renewal will will happen in a, an authentic way. I think that's an exciting, um, that's a huge thing for Amber, that that is the direction that we're going. And I think that everybody will be excited to kind of see that come to fruition down the road. But to br- and to bring it back to the, the strategic plan itself, like I want you to talk about kind of like the guts of this. So what's our mission, vision, and values? What can people expect to read in the strategic plan? It's very nicely laid out. And, and um, once you get a copy, uh, <laughs> right, right up front, you'll see the mission, vision, values. And what I love about this plan is a lot, not a lot of people understand strategic planning. They don't like everybody uses these, this phrase, mission, vision, values, but the mission is what you do. The vision is why you do it. And the values are how you do it. And so we clearly state that in the plan, like, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? And how are we doing it? Because that's every organization wants to have answers to those questions. I would say the most important piece of it is really the vision. And uh, honestly, that hasn't changed from the previous strategic plan. Like you read it to create critical thinkers, lifelong learners, and engaged citizens. And on the face of it, it sounds like a very trite statement. But if you can actually teach kids to think critically, like that's amazing. Mm. If you can actually embed in them a desire to learn for life, that's even more amazing. And then if you can actually create kids that want to be engaged citizens going forward. And that can, I mean, being engaged could mean all kinds of things, right? But those are pretty lofty goals. So the goals that we already had, the vision we already had actually hasn't changed in this plan. What we're suggesting is what's changed is how we do it. And that's baked into the pillars, the three pillars of the plan. So I find that to be kind of exciting because we are taking the best of what Armbray was and bringing it forward into the Mm. future, right? nice to know that it's um it's not like we're reinventing the wheel here this is not not at all but I, I i think you know what megs i think the challenge for any organization is you have to you have to put these things on paper and then you have to hold yourselves accountable to 
executing on them. And that's where schools, well, any organization, but schools in particular, because we're just so busy, that's where schools kind of fall down, right? So this is keeping us accountable and making sure that we're fulfilling our promises to our community. Exactly. And I like the way, I like the word that you just use there, promises, because often we use the word goals, but to me, I see goals as being promises. You know, these are the things that we've just, after nine or 10 months of consultation with each other and conversations, we've, this is where we've landed and this is what we, we agreed we're going to do together. And it's not just the head of school or the teachers or whatever, it's, it's our entire community. After the break, Steve will discuss the three pillars of the strategic plan, how Armbray will live up to these promises, and the most important question, what is Steve's why? Armbray provides a supportive and nurturing community where your child will feel at home. Our teachers care deeply and provide exceptional experiences for students to explore the wider world while engaging locally in meaningful ways. To read our strategic plan, visit armbray.ns.ca. You talked a bit about before the, the pillars that are outlined in the strategic plan. So can you talk about our first pillar, which is community culture and student-centeredness? Yeah. So again, I think that kind of builds on who Armbre has always been. We've always had a fairly, um, been a very supportive and tight-knit community. I think our culture has always been one of positivity. And when you come to Armbre, I've said this before, others have said this before. When you come to Armbre, you can feel the culture immediately when you come into the room immediately you're struck by the happiness and the positivity that's there right mm. so community and culture are strengths for us that third piece though student-centeredness is important because schools often get we get sidetracked and we start doing things in ways that make sense for adults but not for kids so uh you know look you know everything from the start of the school day to the kinds of courses we offer to you know all kinds of things but it's very important for schools to stay focused on being student-centered so that's so that's why that word is in there just to make sure we don't lose sight of that underneath each of those words we have goals and it, once you get your, your hands on the plan, you'll see that there are, are goals or promises underneath community, culture, and student-centeredness, all three aspects of that pillar. And this is going to be kind of challenging for the student-centeredness piece is going to be challenging for Armbray. It's challenging for every school, but for teachers in particular, because one of the goals or one of the promises under student-centeredness is personalized pathway development. Mm. And personalized pathway development really means that teachers know the students in their classes and give them opportunities to learn in ways that work for them and give them opportunities to show what they know in ways that work for them. And teachers are used to like, hey, man, we're all going to do the unit test and here we go. I'm going to pass with the test and we're all going to do it. But what if a student wants to do have a debate or what if the student wants to perform a skit to show what they know or produce a video? or I don't know what. But when you start giving students agency in deciding how they want to learn and how they want to show you what they've learned, it becomes open-ended, doesn't it? Mm. And and most teachers aren't comfortable with open-endedness. So it means more marking. It, it means different. It means different. Different. And so the nice thing about working with Future Design School is they will help us understand what that can look like in a grade or age-appropriate way, you know, from preschool to grade 12. So that's exciting. And that's a, that's a new twist on that pillar for Armbray. 
The second pillar is the pursuit of excellence. So excellence didn't make the cut in the theme, but it did make the title of a pillar. So what can, what do you want to say about the pursuit of excellence and kind of how you see that unfolding? Well, I think that, um, you know, we don't, I hope we don't, I hope we don't get up every morning and come to Armbray and, and pursue mediocrity. You know? <laughs> My mom always says, you don't sign up to lose, you sign up to win. Yes. So what we wanted to do was um, get into the concept of excellence, but not necessarily subject ourselves to measurements that that might not work for Armbray. Because who's to say, how do you measure what's the best school in the world? Or how do you measure who has the best program for, for such and such? I think what we're talking about here is the individual pursuit of excellence and our collective pursuit of excellence as a community. And that, I think, opens up a world of possibilities for kids because my definition of excellence for me is going to be different from your definition of excellence for you. So we don't have to compete with each other. We can encourage each other and collaborate with each other and we can grow together and grow differently. But everybody can thrive in an environment like that because we're not saying you have to do this to be excellent. You're deciding what excellence is for you. And that's very fulfilling and very individual. And it comes back to that previous promise, you know, personalized pathways. Yeah. Right. So we we didn't shy away from the word excellence. We just put an arm braid twist on it. Notice though that we've also, we have committed to operational excellence. So you, you, you see the, when you look at the plan, you'll see learning experiences. So the pursuit of excellence within that kind of that category of learning experiences, but also operational excellence. So we're committing as a, as a board, as a, as a school leadership team, or as a school in general, we're committing to being excellent in terms of how we operate. And and that's okay. That's a little bit more cut and dried. Like we can kind of measure that a little bit more easily, but we're not just saying, hey kids, you guys go pursue excellence. We're not going to bother, right? We're also committed to pursuing All parties excellence are committed, yeah. on the administrative side. Yeah. yeah. And long-term thinking and strategic planning. And that is partnered with Future Design School and what the school is going to look like in two years, three years, five years, 10 years. And Yeah, absolutely. And I think parents will be interested to read um and and it's not just here it's elsewhere in the plan but parents will be interested to read about the you know the professional development that staff will be going through and themselves as professionals aiming to be excellent in their classroom and and being measured against a framework of a performance framework which will be new new for our teachers but also new for parents to know that right yeah and the third pillar uh, our commitment to inclusion so the, this is the one where um, this will be somewhat new for Armbray, and I think new for lots of organizations, but I think Armbray is uniquely positioned, you know, in Halifax, in Nova Scotia. I think there are a lot of great reasons why we can lead in this area. You know, socially and economically, Nova Scotia as a province is, is very challenged. I mean, look at last year's, inf you know, inflation rate. I think we were 8.6%, which is the second highest, pro you know, in the country. You know, we were 2% above the national average. How do we as a province address those challenges and and what's Armbray's role in that? You know, how do we provide opportunities for as many different students as we can? If we think that an Armbray ex, uh, experience or education is is the best way to go for kids, then how do we make that available to more and different kinds of kids? And I think this plan is kind of saying we're prepared to define and declare publicly where we stand on this. And then, and our board is, this is direction from the top down. Our board is very much behind this. And so that's exciting, I think, for parents to know. And uh, and so now this gives us a roadmap to intentionally being inclusive 
just as and and bake it right into our DNA. So what is that going to look like in execution or in implementation? If you look at some of those promises, you know, we're promising to um, diversify in terms of our hiring practices. We're promising to be equitable in, in terms of our admissions process. And we're promising to make needs-based financial aid available to families that need it. We're promising to diversify at the board level, I think, and diversity means, and diversity and inclusivity mean different things to different people, but I think it's just being open and being intentional. We, we haven't finished our implementation plan yet, so we know what our promises are. We don't know exactly how we're going to, how that, how's those things are going to play out, but it's in black and white here. We've, we've made promises to each other that are very specific. So there's no need to wonder how this is going to happen. Um, it's right, it's right there. And I think what you said with this being very intentional, it's not a one-off thing. This is something that we're committed to for years to come. This is not something that we're highlighting and let it fall on the back burner. This is something that we're pushing forward with and we're committed to. Um, so I think for, for families, it's going to be amazing to see these promises written down and can hold us accountable to it. Yeah. And I think that I keep coming back to sort of a little bit of the why of the plan here. And this is a key component of that answer to the why, because I, I really do feel that, you know, independent schools have a unique opportunity to decide, you know, because we're not publicly funded institutions, we get to decide what what are we going to do? What are we going to do with the resources that we have at our disposal? So we've chosen to do this. And I think the rationale for this is because we're really hoping that we're really hoping to get into communities where we don't have an impact right now. And what I mean by that is if there are kids in communities that don't normally attend Armbray, if they attend Armbray and we can help them find their excellence, if we can launch them on a path to figuring out what they're good at and what they're passionate about, and they can go off into the wider world and become experts. And then ideally they will come back to those communities and make those communities better. Better, you know, they will open up businesses. They will be. I mean, how many doctors and nurses do we need in this province, mm. right? So, how can we have as much influence as possible? This tiny little school. How can we be intentional? Small but mighty, right? How can we be intentional about what we do with our resources to impact the greater good, especially in the province of Nova Scotia? I think there's a lot that we can do, mm. and I think this plan kind of shouts it from the mountaintops and says like. This We can do this. These are promises we're making to each other, and this is going to work. And a question that I'm going to ask all guests um, throughout the, the season is, what is your why? So you answered the question, what is our why? Why are we doing this as a school? But why are you doing this as the head of school? Why are you moving forward with this? Why, did you, why are you here? Well, I think that um, the challenge for a head of school when you're undergoing a strap plan process is, to make sure that you don't influence too much of the results of the plan. The downside of, of not authentically believing in the plan is also possible. So it would not be the truth if I were to say that there's none of Steve Clark in this plan. <laughs> so the why of this plan is fairly closely aligned with the why for me in terms of professionally, that is. I think the why for me was always to make school fun. Um, I, I want kids to love coming to school. I want to shelter them from the world. You know, all of the stuff that they get bombarded with. I want them to come to a place for eight hours a day where they can just kind of figure out who they are without the world telling them who they are. And uh, in doing so, 
you know, we create um, generations of kids that that feel like they have a purpose. They're finding what they're good at and what they're, we give them space to, to find out what they're good at, what they're passionate about. And man, if you can do that and you're winning, because if you can give kids time and space to discover their purpose. That's my purpose. Like I feel like my my why or my purpose is giving kids time and space to discover their purpose because I think education is the key to a, a happy and peaceful world. And so it's mm. it's kind of a corny, big, fat, hairy idea, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Profe- that was from the heart. Professionally, that's my why. It's exciting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. On the next episode, we are joined by Augie Jones, where we chat about the importance of inclusion in education. And remember, be kind, work hard.